0: It's Friday, June 17th, 2022, the 513th day of dystopia. I'm your moderator, Chris Paul. Let's be reasonable. If you are listening to this podcast on the day of its release, that means you are listening as a paid subscriber on Substack. Substack is the exclusive venue for being able to hear this podcast when it is released All you need to do is become a paid subscriber for as little as $5 a month. That is about 20 cents, 25 cents per episode. Plus you get all of the writing when it's released and you will be helping me to continue doing all of this work that goes into this podcast and goes into keeping people up to date on what is happening throughout the day via truth social and the telegram info stream the Telegram info stream is where you will get absolutely everything. T.me slash I'm your moderator. Get the Telegram app, get Truth Social, and get away from legacy social media. Speaking of Truth Social, yesterday, a very interesting occurrence. The illegitimate governor of California, Gavin Newsom, signed up and got on to Truth Social. And the first post from Gavin's account was a strange 30 or 40 second video where he decided to tell everyone on truth social that eight out of the top 10 states with the highest murder rate were quote unquote red states. And that was supposed to be a very convincing argument for all of the rubes on truth social, all of the dummies that support Donald Trump and want to be on a free speech platform, rather than on Twitter or Instagram. And to Gavin Newsom, that is what opening up the conversation looks like. Going to other people who you don't normally reach and then telling them something so dumb that only the people who already agree with you, because they don't know anything, will believe. And of course, Gavin immediately got fact-checked to the moon because what he said was ridiculous. And if we really want to have a conversation about that topic, let's look at the locations where the murder rates are the highest and where violence goes unpunished. And we will find that almost exclusively those places are run by Democrats So Gavin Newsom does not have a point, but the idea that he was actually going to Truth Social to open up a conversation with people who are not, I guess you could say, like-minded is absurd. Gavin Newsom, first of all, there's no way that Gavin Newsom is actually running his Truth Social account. He's not sitting with his phone. He didn't download the Truth Social app. He's not producing content and then having a conversation with the people in the comments. That's not happening. It is a one directional conversation, which means it's not a conversation at all. It's just Gavin Newsom supplying Gavin Newsom branded content on truth social. And because the arguments from that side are not fact-based and not convincing and not constitutional and not relevant to virtually anyone's lives, It's a guarantee that Gavin Newsom is not going to be winning hearts and minds by stepping into enemy territory and just letting everyone there bask in his greatness. That's not going to happen. And they should be smart enough to know that. So what exactly is it that Gavin and his social media team and his advisors and his communications team are attempting to accomplish by pushing Gavin Newsom over to Truth Social? Well, maybe he's going to look like the very, very brave leader he is. That's possible. Or maybe he just figured him showing up and producing some ridiculous gun-related content would cause a level of blowback that the state media could then write up in their little articles and talk about how Truth Social is a very toxic place for the public conversation to happen and people over there are crazy and violent conspiracy theorists. And so perhaps the Gavin Newsom account on truth social is something of a honeypot so that Kamala Harris in her new role as internet harassment czar can talk about how these alternative platforms need to be censored and shut down too, because they would even threaten the governor of California. Gavin Newsom promised to come to Truth Social and call out the Republican lies. And of course, who better to accomplish that mission than Gavin Newsom? He could just be trying to set up narratives about how he's willing to reach across the aisle to go into enemy territory because Gavin is being groomed as a potential presidential candidate for the Democrats in twenty twenty four. And if you live in California or you have lived in California, you know how bad an idea that would be. And you know how little of that would be supported around the country. It's not even supported in California. Gavin Newsom faced a recall election last year. And I talked about this on Wednesday's episode of last week after the California primaries. But Gavin didn't win that recall. 5 million people came out and voted for Gavin Newsom to be recalled. And then they got 8 million people to say that Gavin Newsom should not be recalled. They had 13 million votes in the California recall election. And the political temperature in California certainly has not been turned down since then. But somehow, with an opportunity to get Gavin Newsom off the ballot in November... Only 5 million Californians showed up in total to vote in the primaries. How did that happen? Of course, last year, we were told that the 13 million vote total was incredible turnout, which it would be if it was legitimate. But of course, it's not. They got 17 million people out to vote in the 2020 election, a general election with Donald Trump on the ballot, 17 million votes. Gavin Newsom's recall, 13 million votes. Eight months later, there's a chance to get Gavin Newsom off the ballot entirely. And California's 6 million Trump voters and 5 million voters to recall Newsom just didn't show up. They just didn't bother. They didn't care, apparently, about making it so that Gavin Newsom could not be on the ballot this fall. And of course, I'm talking only in principle here. Gavin Newsom could have then been second and still been on the ballot. But I mean, for the statement and thinking about the numbers, this is what's in people's minds when they go to the polling place. Let's get Gavin Newsom out of there. Nobody bothers. In the primary last week, Gavin got about 3.4 million votes. So 8 million people came out to make sure that Gavin Newsom would not be recalled last October. That is what we were told. And four and a half million of those people just didn't bother. So California does not even support Gavin Newsom unless you're going to trust the recall vote from last fall and think that is exactly right. Gavin still has 60 percent of the vote in California even with high turnout elections, 13 million votes. That's 8 million more votes than came in in the primary. That is how important people thought it was to keep Gavin Newsom in office after over a year and a half of his extraordinary COVID restrictions and his Total incompetence in guiding the state as the state cities fall apart, as their population moves out, as crime and illegal immigration and open drug use on the streets, as homelessness, all of these things skyrocket. Gavin sends half a billion dollars over to China for masks and no one knows where the money went. The California pensions had huge deficits. They have massive projects on homeless housing, and high-speed rail and everything else that have turned into complete and total boondoggles. Tax rates are skyrocketing. Gas is the most expensive in the country, but still everybody loves Gavin Newsom, or so we're told. And as California's vote has continued to trickle in over the last 10 or 11 days from that primary, Karen Bass, who was one of the women being considered for Joe Biden's black female vice president has now pulled ahead of Rick Caruso. So on the day of the election, the morning after the election, everybody thinks, oh, look at that. People are coming out and voting for the new blood, at least. I'm not sure Rick Caruso is a good candidate, but a lot of people in California believe he's better than what's there. If he's just another mostly liberal globalist, it's not an improvement. It's basically just a swapping of identity characteristics and sets of things that they are happy to go out and talk about. Rick Caruso might not openly support drag queen story hour, but the post-election results should make it clear to California voters and everyone else that that doesn't matter. They're going to put Karen Bass where they want to put Karen Bass and Rick Caruso will be the Washington generals of a candidate who just goes on out there with the intent of losing to give the whole thing an air of choice, an air of legitimacy. So things in California are going great. And hey, congratulations, Gavin Newsom. Welcome to Truth Social. Everybody's going to be relatively nice to you. But they will also say true things about how awful a person you are and how awful a government leader you are, and you will consider that harassment and then eventually want them punished for it. We see how the game is played. Also in the world of social media yesterday, Elon Musk had an all-hands meeting with Twitter, which basically means the entire company is invited to watch the conversation. One of Twitter's executives read off questions to Elon Musk and he was basically sitting there in his living room holding his phone on FaceTime and just conducting the meeting that way and people have made fun of that and said he was unprofessional and it's so funny it is so funny watching people uh, lecture and criticize Elon Musk's behavior as if he's not allowed to do whatever he wants to do with his money And once he does something with his money, once he owns a company, his company or potentially Twitter, that he has to suddenly conform to the wishes of the employees of that company. At one point, the Twitter exec asked him how he might develop trust with Twitter's employees, how he would come to trust them and they would come to trust him. And he said, well, you know, my only thought about that is trust is as trust does. And by that, I assume he means we will either develop trust or we won't, but I'm not coming into this project, into this organization with one of my goals being to figure out how to get Twitter's employees to trust me that I'm going to do the things that they want to do, that I'm going to keep the Twitter culture as it is in place. They asked him what he thought about working from home since he just sent a letter out to all the Tesla employees a week or two ago telling them that it was a time to return to work and that work would be in person and that work from home would be suspended unless you have some sort of exception made for you. And he was asked about that and responded that, well, Tesla is a car company. We manufacture things. To manufacture things, people have to be present at work. And we want the entire company to be present at work so that they can know their fellow employees, their colleagues, so that they can interact, so they can exchange ideas in real time rather than sending out a message and waiting for someone to reply and hearing that they were taking their dog to the groomers or out to lunch or riding the Peloton. He wants to return to the normal ideas about how a business is run, how an organization is run, that the people who are being paid to be part of that organization actually be present. And the Twitter executive, of course, noted that Most of their company has been working at home for a very long time, and that is their dispersed workflow. This is just how they do things. And Elon basically shot that idea down completely. He said that exceptions could be made. And if there were truly exceptional employees who were more productive and did a better job For the organization by working from home, then exceptions could be made. But on the whole, people were going to have to show up and work. He was asked about his politics, which he said were moderate, and he certainly represented moderate views in his answers to all of the questions. One of the questions he got was, how are you going to ensure that Twitter is inclusive? And he said, well, there are only about 200 million daily active users on Twitter, and we don't know how many of those are bots. So at best, what you have is four or 5% of the world's population on Twitter, and it should really be a lot more. He said he wanted a billion or 2 billion users. And he said, figuring out ways to make Twitter more accessible, more desirable, And a more open platform would be the best way to make it inclusive. He was pointing out that by definition, if you are able to have a billion of the world's people on there taking part in the public conversation, that is a more inclusive platform. I would have loved for the Twitter execs To attempt to explain to him that that is not what inclusive means anymore. Now, inclusive means that we censor anything that might offend any of the people who agree with us. What we need to do to be inclusive is create a safe and sterile space for people who are perpetually offended. But of course, that definition is nonsense. And Elon knows that definition is nonsense. So he answered the question in the way a normal person would answer it, and especially in the way a normal business executive would answer it. If you want our product to be more inclusive, we have to make it appealing to more people. That's how that works. You don't make it more inclusive by getting rid of 50% of the potential customer base and then making the platform toxic For another 20 or 30 percent of the customer base who deals with constant harassment and censorship and shadow banning and the rest of it for not agreeing with the 10 or 15 or 20 percent of the people who primarily guide the public conversation that happens there. And so sticking with Elon for a second, but temporarily moving away from Twitter, this was in the Hill today. SpaceX fires employees who blasted Musk in letter. Private spacecraft engineering company SpaceX, run by Elon Musk, fired employees on Thursday who took part in disseminating a letter that criticized its founder and CEO. Employees told the New York Times that those behind the letter, which they posted in a company messaging channel and circulated online on Wednesday, were investigated and asked to leave SpaceX. The letter, solicitations, and general process made employees feel uncomfortable, intimidated, and bullied and or angry because the letter pressured them to sign on to something that did not reflect their views. The company's president and COO, Gwynne Shotwell, wrote in an email to employees obtained by the Times. We have too much critical work to accomplish and no need for this kind of overreaching activism. The letter, shared by now former employees of SpaceX, called Musk's behavior quote, a frequent source of distraction and embarrassment, end quote, especially blasting his recent comments online. As our CEO and most prominent spokesperson, Elon is seen as the face of SpaceX. Every tweet that Elon sends is a de facto public statement by the company. It is critical to make clear to our teams and to our potential talent pool that his messaging does not reflect our work, our mission, or our values. Read the letter which was shared with The Verge. Musk, who is in the midst of closing a $44 billion deal to buy Twitter, regularly breaks SpaceX's no-asshole policy, employees said, and they called on the company to, quote, hold all leadership equally accountable, end quote, for its rules and, quote, publicly address and condemn Elon's harmful Twitter behavior, end quote. The letter also addressed recent allegations of sexual misconduct against Musk, citing SpaceX's zero tolerance policy against sexual harassment. A report published by Insider last month accused Musk of exposing himself to a SpaceX employee and soliciting her for sex, which he called wild and utterly untrue. And you gotta think that that's probably the case because that story vanished immediately. The attacks against me, Should be viewed through a political lens. This is their standard, despicable playbook. But nothing will deter me from fighting for a good future and your right to free speech, said Musk at the time, referring to his promises to promote free speech on Twitter once he acquires ownership of the platform. And here is that letter from SpaceX employees to the executives. It's an open letter. In light of recent allegations against our CEO and his public disparagement of the situation, we would like to deliver feedback on how these events affect our company's reputation and through it our mission. Employees across the spectra of gender, ethnicity, seniority, and technical roles have collaborated on this letter. We feel it is imperative to maintain honest and open dialogue with each other to effectively reach our company's primary goals together making SpaceX a great place to work for all, and making humans a multi-planetary species. And of course, one of those is a real goal and the real goal of SpaceX, and the other one is a subjective interpretation of what the company's goals should be from the viewpoint of a bunch of woke employees. As SpaceX employees, we are expected to challenge established processes, rapidly innovate to solve complex problems as a team and use failures as learning opportunities. Commitment to these ideals is fundamental to our identity and is core to how we have redefined our industry. But for all our technical achievements, SpaceX fails to apply these principles to the promotion of diversity, equity, and inclusion with equal priority across the company, resulting in a workplace culture that remains firmly rooted in the status quo diversity, equity, and inclusion. And not by the actual definitions of diversity, equity, and inclusion, by the woke definitions, the new definitions. And those definitions say that if you are not a white man and you have complaints, then you just voice those complaints. And then billion-dollar companies just change everything to make sure that you are no longer in disagreement with absolutely anything the company does. Individuals and groups of employees at SpaceX have spent significant effort beyond their technical scope to make the company a more inclusive space via conference recruiting, open forums, feedback to leadership, outreach, and more. And my, 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 that must be so important. However, we feel an unequal burden to carry this effort as the company has not applied appropriate urgency and resources to the problem in a manner consistent with our approach to critical path technical projects. To be clear, recent events are not isolated incidents. They are emblematic of a wider culture that underserves many of the people who enable SpaceX's extraordinary accomplishments. As industry leaders, we bear unique responsibility to address this and, Reading this now, it's worth noting that SpaceX's culture was underserving many of the people who used to enable SpaceX's extraordinary accomplishments. Elon's behavior in the public sphere is a frequent source of distraction and embarrassment for us, particularly in recent weeks, and it is still very odd for me every time I hear people commenting about an adult's behavior, especially a successful adult's behavior. Elon is allowed to express himself in whatever way he likes. That's what fuck you money gets you. And hey, sorry, earmuffs. But he's not breaking the law. And aside from that ridiculous sexual harassment claim, he's not doing illegal things at the workplace. He has his point of view, and he is the one who owns the company and guides the company. He doesn't need anyone else's feedback about his behavior. The proper response to those employees is, if you don't like the owner's behavior, bring it up to the owner. If they feel your claim is valid and something that they want to respond to, then they do. Otherwise, they don't. And now you're choice is either suck it up or go find a different job. But that's not what we do now. Now we expect that employees get upset and management, executives, and ownership must fall in line behind what the employees want. And that turns out to even be true when the employees are talking about things like diversity, equity, and inclusion that are parts of much broader political agendas that have nothing to do with the success of the company or any independent business owner or any entrepreneurship. These employees have apparently been convinced that diversity, equity, and inclusion are some kind of law, some kind of guiding force, and that the business must be built around those goals, even when they hinder the business's actual goals that produce the business money. Any business, and especially a business owned by Elon Musk, if they want to address toxic behavior at the workplace, they would fire the employee's who believe that their whining on Twitter constitutes a good reason to depose the company's ownership. And thankfully, that's exactly how Elon Musk responded. SpaceX's current systems and culture do not live up to its stated values, as many employees continue to experience unequal enforcement of our oft-repeated no-asshole and zero-tolerance policies. This must change. As a starting point, we are putting forth the following categories of action items, the specifics of which we would like to discuss in person with the executive team within a month. They're just laying out their demands. Publicly address and condemn Elon's harmful Twitter behavior, and that's in bold letters. SpaceX must swiftly and explicitly separate itself from Elon's personal brand. Hey, employees. How about you separate your personal brand outside of the workplace from what you do for work? No one's making you defend every comment the owner of your company makes. And when I read stuff like this, I imagine what these people's personal lives must be like. They get out of work, all their friends who know that they work at SpaceX just are constantly texting them, man, Elon's really gone off the rails, huh? And they're like, yeah, I can't work at a place like this anymore where my friends don't like the things the owner of the company says. Wow, man. Wow. Hold all leadership equally accountable to making SpaceX a great place to work for everyone. Also in bold, this is what they are dictating to the executive team and to the ownership. This is an action item for them. Work jargon and moralizing from the company's employees is just so preposterous. Apply a critical eye to issues that prevent employees from fully performing their jobs and meeting their potential, pursuing specific and enduring actions that are well-resourced, transparent, and treated with the same rigor and urgency as establishing flight rationale after a hardware anomaly. And again, this is why communist countries and communist organizations will always fail. At some point, if these systems are taking their own principles seriously and taking themselves seriously, then they actually have to advocate for stuff like this. They have to advocate for the idea that they should put as much time and resources and talent into figuring out how to make sure that no one at the company ever feels, quote unquote, unsafe as they do to make sure that the rockets don't blow up. Eventually, you reach the point where unless a company has no competition, that company cannot be successful because it spends half of its time catering to fragile and pampered employees rather than anything having to do with the company's core business. And the next step of the communist insanity in this situation is to solve that problem they just decide to eliminate all the competition. And that's exactly what we can see happening right now. They impose all of these rules and regulations about how employees should be hired, how they should be treated, how you can never actually fire them and get rid of them and change the company's culture. Everything has to be set from a higher authority, a governmental authority. The government tells you what your business should be like, and your business will be like that. Whichever businesses fill the government's needs and abide by the government's rules, well, those will be the ones that are allowed to succeed. And the rest of the competition that can't afford to go along with all of the ridiculous rules and regulations, well, they're going to lose their businesses because it's impossible for them to compete with companies that have massive global institutional investors that will fund the implementation of the woke agenda within those businesses. And that's what we can see in the world right now. Massive transnational corporations, partners of the World Economic Forum, the money just flows and flows and flows forever. The companies grow and expand and they subsume other businesses And from the consumer's perspective, things just keep moving right along. Oh, well, Whole Foods is owned by Amazon now, but at least Whole Foods is still there. Whole Foods has no problem. They have the money they need to implement their agenda there, and I still get to go shop at Whole Foods. So what difference does it make? And as the years go by, you can see the centralization of all of the normal consumer functions. Everything becomes part of something bigger so that all your needs are eventually fulfilled by a small handful of companies and this can only happen when a company no longer has to respond to market forces at all and that is legitimately what people of a certain age and educational background think that industry is supposed to be they spent two years working from home their entire life exists outside of reality, and they expect their place of business to be the same. And here is the last of the bold type employee demands slash action items. Define and uniformly respond to all forms of unacceptable behavior. Clearly define what exactly is intended by SpaceX's no-asshole and zero-tolerance policies and enforce them consistently. SpaceX must establish safe avenues for reporting and uphold clear repercussions for all unacceptable behavior, whether from the CEO or an employee starting their first day. They literally want Elon Musk to be punished by his own company for a rumor that was spread online and for his tweets. And it's worth noting that this is basically the argument that was made on the left about why we couldn't have Donald Trump be president anymore. It's too dangerous because everybody feels unsafe about their feelings. Donald Trump is not focused on inclusion as much as he's focused on making sure that America has a strong defense of its borders or an adequate energy supply. And the truth is any president should be putting as much time and energy and resources into fixing the inclusion problem that they made up as he does with the nation's actual business these people are going to have such a hard time man we care deeply about SpaceX's mission to make humanity multiplanetary but more importantly we care about each other actually that's not more important literally no one in business should ever care about that. That is the cherry on top, right? If all your employees like each other and everybody gets along and you have a very nice work environment, that is lovely. That's a goal to strive for. But that is not more important than the company's mission. The collaboration we need to make life multi is incompatible with a culture that treats employees as consumable resources hey commies, you're commies. There is no system that makes people more expendable than communism. People are literally expendable in communism. People are literally expendable in the culture these people are creating. And no one needs to look any further on that than the fact that these same kinds of people and probably these exact people were pushing vaccine mandates and saying that vaccine injuries or vaccine deaths, they're not real. Oh, and if they are real, they happen in such a small percentage of cases. This vaccine is going to get us out of the pandemic. It's going to save everybody's grandmother. No, it can't prevent transmission or infection. And it doesn't prevent serious illness or death. Thank goodness for Omicron that doesn't cause serious illness or death, but they themselves pushed the view that these little humans, these science deniers, these anti-vax people were expendable human resources. And if nothing else, their sad little lives may be lost, but at least they were lost at the altar of the science. Our unique position requires us to consider how our actions today will shape the experiences of individuals beyond our planet. (laughs) What? They are concerned about discrimination against aliens that they don't know exist? That's really where we are right now. And Of course, all of these people are probably obsessed with the metaverse. They're looking forward to one day being able to live their lives entirely within the bounds of the machine strapped to their face. And they want to live that life as a fish and goat hybrid. And they just can't deal with the fact that they work for a company that might not potentially and eventually have the adequate respect for a fish and goat hybrid. Oh, Elon Musk. Oh, I'm afraid he's going to be racist against all those surfing and turfs. And are you ready for this one? Is the culture we are fostering now the one which we aim to bring to Mars and beyond? Oh, how could we do that? It's so embarrassing. Elon Musk has been such an embarrassment to our company, what with his tweets and all his money and his big ideas that are what sustain us and make it so that we can buy food. But he is so embarrassing. I cannot even imagine setting foot on Mars and the first thing I hear from some Martian is, oh my God, you work for Elon Musk? Didn't some woman accuse him of doing something with no evidence? How could you even work there? Didn't he say that free speech was a good thing while you guys were focused on diversity, equity, and inclusion? Oh my God. Get out as fast as you can. I can't believe you've even stayed there to support all of this. As if every Martian is going to have the same... World Outlook, a lonely, middle-aged woman who graduated from Williams College. And because they have to end on a positive note, we have made strides in that direction, but there is so much more to accomplish. And apparently that starts with punishing the guy that pays you because you think that that's how the organizational structure works. But there is so much more to accomplish, it will just be someone else doing it. So Project Veritas leaked out the video of the conference call, the all-hands meeting yesterday, and then they also got their hands on the posts from Twitter's internal Slack channel, and Twitter employees were going off about having to sit through this all hands meeting with this embarrassing, disastrous, crazy person who thinks that free speech means other people get to say the things that they think. And let's go through a few examples. He literally just voted for a QAnon promoter in Texas. And you have to use a uh, a small child or teenager voice. I mean, maybe just a small child voice. Well, it's a grown man making a small child voice, but that's the voice I'm going to use for these spoiled and whiny millennials. There were very fine people on both sides, basically. (laughs) Ha 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 ha. Oh, yeah. It's just like when Trump said that, except for the fact that Trump didn't say that the way she heard it. And if you actually look at that both sides quote, it's pretty clear that Trump didn't say it that way at all. He literally said that white nationalists should be condemned fully. The two sides he was talking about were the protesters who didn't want the statue torn down and the counter protesters. He was not talking about the people carrying torches, nor was he talking about Antifa who went there to cause violence. Sexism and racism are 100% bad, actually. It's pretty simple. Protecting human rights is 100% good. Would love to hear from him about all the civil lawsuits at Tesla around racial discrimination. One of their employees wrote in all caps, this is the worst thing I've heard. Here is an absolutely incredible one by, I guess it's a man, I wouldn't want to assume gender for a Twitter employee. But the name is Josh Smith, and he looks sort of mannish. So now I need to worry about becoming unemployed depending on whether I'm considered exceptional. That's my takeaway from this. And yeah, actually, you should worry about that. You should try to do exceptional work because that used to be and still is wherever meritocratic institutions still exist the way that your life becomes better. You do exceptional work. People take notice and they put more resources behind you. They invest you with more responsibility. You get promoted. People start listening to your ideas. Maybe one day you actually run the company or maybe you go somewhere and start your own company and then you get to decide everything. And Elon laid that out pretty specifically in that meeting, but for employees who only have to actually work for four hours a week, if they want the idea that they could be fired for not producing good or excellent or exceptional work, that's a foreign concept. They have the job. They just enforce the social agenda within the company. And that's a hard day's work. That's game over. They go out on social media and they post their black square and they change their avatar to a pride flag and that's it. That's all they have to do. No one can ever fire them. If they do fire them, it's racist or sexist or homophobic or otherwise offensive. Totally illegal for sure. You're not allowed to fire people just for being bad at their jobs. That is not true. You can only fire people if they violate the social agenda. One of the employees in the Slack channel, who is a black woman, I assume, who still has her her graduation cap on her head in her avatar picture, so probably a recent college grad, she wrote, y'all told me this man was a genius. She wrote that in the Slack channel about the person who is supposedly buying the company she works for. And then one final exchange worth sharing, you know, Elon said the other day that he voted for Mayra Flores in the Texas special election on Tuesday. So people were very upset with that. But there was some defense of Elon Musk's right to vote for whoever he wants. Someone wrote, he can vote for whoever he wishes, and that's no one on this chat's business. And of course, that is not the kind of thing that you're allowed to say. Something totally normal like that person can vote for whoever he wants so the replies began to come in it does when the person he votes for directly hurts me he ha- and so the same poster responds he has the right to vote for whoever he wishes to vote that's his right just like it's your right to vote for whoever you wish it's called democracy and more people began piping in when his biases impact people's lives it matters No one is saying he can't vote one way or another, but there's no separation of personal interest to what makes sense for the business. Your comment is privileged. (laughs) And one of the other commenters wrote back, I agree he can vote for whoever he wants. I get to question whether I trust his leadership based off his track record. And hey, Jessica, because that really is her name. You don't have to trust his leadership. Do your job and take the money or quit. No one is asking you to violate your principles. If you don't feel that the company is an appropriate place for you to work anymore, if you think that someone's tweets or someone's votes make working there unsafe for you, leave. Oh, and I gotta bring this final one in. Queer people cannot trust this man. We've seen this kind of homophobia and transphobia before. There's nothing salvageable about what he says. And then graduation cap girl responded, holding space for you and our other queer tweeps, heart. So this is what these whiny employees say on their internal Slack channel. These are Twitter employees talking to other Twitter employees. And then this thing leaks out. Then we have the news that Elon Musk has fired a bunch of SpaceX employees for having written this letter where they complain about him and his behavior. They take the position that he should be punished and removed because the employees don't like how he's acting. And so Twitter obviously is trying the same thing in their own Slack channel. And these employees then have this entire record of their Slack discussion released. And Project Veritas today has actually released all of it, like an hour long video scroll of these Slack messages popping up during the all hands meeting. And I wonder what these employees are thinking now that they know these messages have been leaked out. If they are smart, they might think, well, I could immediately lose my livelihood now Over something I said and believed in my company's internal Slack channel. And the funny thing is they feel protected by Twitter's corporate culture, which is entirely woke. And you can imagine that the Slack channel basically operates at this vibe all the time but the realization that their job might be over because what they have said about the potential owner of their company now exists out in the world. It's just there for everybody to see. And that's the culture that they have created for everyone else. Twitter is the central hub of cancel culture. That is where cancel culture essentially began and where it exists to this day. Twitter mobs have ruined people's lives And these employees enable that. They are gleeful about it. They think that this is the way to rid society of its ills. Take the things that people say and that they believe, sincerely or otherwise, things that they can support or otherwise, these things they say, this is a substantial cause to ruin these people's lives. And now, for the first time, I would imagine, these people are facing... That same thing themselves. The culture they've created now has a very realistic chance of destroying their own livelihood. And you know what the complaint would be? The complaint would be this is a private conversation, this is an internal channel, and now it has been made public. But the truth is, they created that culture too. These are the people that go around saying the personal is the political. And the crazy and truthfully sad thing is, all of these people still think that they're in the right. In fact, they think they're always in the right. And if they do get fired for these messages in their internal Slack channel, they will believe that they have been victimized because they did nothing wrong. It would be awfully nice if an outcome of all this is for people of this certain ideological persuasion. To recognize that their political activism actually isn't professional and almost no one ever wants to hear it. Now, one of the interesting things that Elon Musk brought up in the all hands meeting unrelated to aliens, which he also did bring up, he said he has seen no evidence of alien life and he thinks that he would be the sort of person who would have seen that evidence, but as yet, no evidence. Still possible. He says that there are singular civilizations from other planets that were bound to their planet that have lived and died over the course of the last 500 million years. But no evidence he's seen of aliens. But I digress. He brought up the idea that Twitter could have a payment system element Within the app, he talked about the WeChat app in China where people can uh, do messaging. They can use it as a payment system. They do their shopping there. It's kind of an all-in-one sort of platform. And perhaps coincidentally, but probably not, this story popped up in the afternoon yesterday as well. Elon Musk sued for $258 billion over Dogecoin pyramid scheme. And this is from the New York Post. Elon Musk was hit with a $258 billion lawsuit that alleges the tech mogul and his high-profile companies are engaged in a crypto pyramid scheme by way of Dogecoin cryptocurrency. In federal court papers filed in Lower Manhattan, the plaintiff, Keith Johnson, names Musk as well as his electric car company, Tesla, and the space tourism firm, SpaceX. SpaceX. Johnson, a U.S. citizen, wants $86 billion in damages, plus plus tripled damages of $172 billion for losses incurred from trading Dogecoin since 2019. He is seeking to represent a class of people who have lost money investing in Dogecoin. The lawsuit also demands that Musk, Tesla, and SpaceX cease promoting Dogecoin. On Thursday, one Dogecoin was worth just north of six cents well off its all-time high of 74 cents in May of 2021. And of course, that makes me very sad because I had a bunch of Dogecoin at that point and I didn't sell it at the right time. I sold it way, way, way too late. And then I bought some back and that went down recently too. It's exciting that crypto world, especially when you're bad at it like I am. Dogecoin is not a currency stock or security. It's not backed by gold or other precious metal or anything at all. You can't eat it, grow it, or wear it, according to the court filing. And I suppose that is true, but it is also equally true of our fiat currency in America right now, too, except for the fact that it is a currency, so you can buy things with it, but Dogecoin could easily be a currency For anyone who wanted to accept Dogecoin as payment. And places already do that. Places already accept Bitcoin as payment, and you'd have to wonder if the person bringing this lawsuit would say the same thing about Bitcoin. Maybe they would. The lawsuit continues. It doesn't pay interest or dividend, it has no unique utility compared to other cryptocurrencies. It is not secured by a government or private entity. It is simply a fraud whereby greater fools are deceived into buying the coin at a higher price. And I guess that's me. Musk, the world's richest person whose net worth was valued by Forbes at $202.9 billion has not responded to the lawsuit. Earlier this year, Musk revealed that Tesla had begun accepting Dogecoin for transactions in its online store. SpaceX is expected to follow suit in the near future. The announcement sent the value of Dogecoin surging. Tesla also spent 1.5 billion dollars on Bitcoin in February 2021, a move the electric car maker said would provide more flexibility to further diversify and maximize returns on our cash. At the time of the disclosure, the price of Bitcoin was hovering in the $30 to $40,000 range. Musk this week broke his silence on the recent collapse in digital asset prices and responded to a meme revealing the next sector of the economy he expects to plunge. Musk reacted to the steep sell-off in Bitcoin, the largest cryptocurrency by market cap, which briefly plunged below $21,000, its lowest level since December 2020. Cryptonite. Musk tweeted Tuesday night, ooh, kryptonite. Musk also replied to a meme posted by Dogecoin creator Billy Marcus the cartoon image showing the Grim Reaper approaching a door labeled real estate after previously making grisly stops in rooms labeled stocks and cryptocurrency. True, Musk said in his response to the post. The billionaire has repeatedly touted investments in cryptocurrencies in recent years. In March, he declared that he won't sell his holdings in Bitcoin, Ethereum and Dogecoin, despite rising inflation and economic uncertainty that has led many investors to sell riskier assets. The world's richest man has never disclosed how much of his wealth is tied to crypto. And I and some others have optimistically speculated that maybe Elon Musk might use Dogecoin as a currency on Twitter if they introduce some sort of payment system. And obviously, if Elon Musk actually does take over Twitter. But just as likely, all of this is a ruse, and Elon Musk was just having fun with Dogecoin. That's possible too. We shall see. But the discussion on cryptocurrencies got a little more interesting today because the chairman of the Federal Reserve, Jerome Powell, had this to say this morning Looking forward, rapid changes are taking place in the global monetary system that may affect the international role of the dollar in the future most major economies already have or are in the process of developing instant 24-7 payments. Our own FedNow service will be coming online in 2023. And in light of the tremendous growth in crypto assets and stablecoins, we are examining whether a U.S. central bank digital currency would improve upon what is an already safe and efficient domestic payment system. As our white paper on this topic notes, a U.S. CBDC could also potentially Help maintain the dollar's international standing. So that is the Fed chairman recommending a central bank digital currency to replace the dollar, and this is how we're going to keep the dollar's standing in the world. It's by attaching ourselves further in a new way to the central banks, and the next step beyond that would be to make that currency global presumably for all of the countries under whatever global alliance might still remain under the central banks after all of this situation sorts itself out. Certainly Russia and China and many other countries are moving away from the central banks, but the Fed chairman on behalf of the central banks wants to tie us forever to the central banks on a digital currency. And if you want to see the global agenda enacted in full, that is the way that it is finally going to come to be. It's not a conspiracy theory. That's the Fed chairman telling you exactly that. And if you heard the last part of his quote as something of a threat, you wouldn't be wrong. And now finally, switching subjects without a segue, we have to do this right before the weekend. I know it's a little lowbrow, but in the Daily Mail yesterday, they reported about new guidelines from the CDC about what to do if you have monkeypox but still want to have sex. The headline is how to have sex with monkey pox. <laughs> <laughs> CDC releases bizarre guide telling patients to keep their clothes on or masturbate six feet from their partner. If the urge arises while infected, the CDC has issued bizarre guidance telling Americans infected with monkeypox to have sex by masturbating at least six feet away from their partner, among other recommendations. Guidance from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention says anyone who has the disease must not have sex. But for those who ignore that advice, the agency has published a list of the do's and don'ts under the bedsheets. Among its tips was also to have sex while still fully clothed to ensure all rashes are covered and even to avoid kissing. The other advice was to wash hands, fetish gear and clothes immediately afterwards and even to consider having sex virtually, such as over the phone, which, by the way, is just not sex. People catch monkeypox by touching infectious skin lesions, but it can also be spread through the air during sustained face-to-face contact, which is why you got to mask up, but only for 24 hours. After the 24 hours, then the mask up guidance, that goes away. And of course, I'm talking about the fact that they really did put that guidance up for 24 hours last week. It can take up to four weeks for anyone infected with monkeypox to recover from the disease with about eight days needed from infection for symptoms to appear. And so it's just like COVID and everything else. You have it even if you don't have it. You should assume you have it even if there's no reason to assume you have it. And once you assume you have it, you should wait 40 days before assuming you don't have it. But the thing is, if you should always assume you do have it, even though there's no reason to assume you have it, that clock never actually starts. It just keeps on going. And we remember this principle from the idea that COVID spread asymptomatically. They put out a little chart with cute little cartoon pictures. The first one is a hand holding a cell phone with an image of a woman on it, and a little a little heart just bursting out of the phone. It says, try virtual sex. Then it has a a lonely man and his sad partner on the other end of the bed showing that there is six feet distance between them, and this is probably in the moment before they were to begin masturbating, or perhaps the moment right after it ended. But they both look very sad about the distance between them. It says to wash afterwards you should avoid kissing but apparently no one is going to take their advice of avoiding sex so if you can't avoid sex if the urge is too great then you have to follow their guidance but the kissing thing is off limits regardless then it has a picture of a couple in bed and it looks like a man and a woman there are no gay or trans people represented in this graphic at all. So I'm not even sure how this was allowed to be put out. This thing is obviously racist and homophobic and transphobic and probably Islamophobic too. But it says that you should wear clothes in the bed where you are cuddling. It does have them cuddling and you should wear those clothes during sex. And it's funny coming from people who make fun of religions for doing exactly that. And then the last step was to cover your rash, which may be absolutely great scientific advice, but it kind of forgets about the thing where they just told us that it could be spread in the air from person to person. I don't know how covering up your rash is going to fix that problem. And we apparently escaped their new guidance without being told to wear a mask So I guess that's good. But if you really want to avoid getting what they're calling monkeypox right now, simply do not get the vaccine. And if you already got the vaccine, well, my advice to every vaccine is always the same. You should begin looking immediately into how to flush all of that spike protein and other stuff that's in there out of your body and start immediately Building up your immune system as best you can because that is your new lifelong mission since you more than likely have vaccine-acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. Yes, your shot gave you AIDS. There's a very strong chance that's true. Is it the same AIDS they used to talk about in the 80s and 90s? Well, what's different about it? It's an autoimmune deficiency syndrome. Doesn't really matter how you got it, does it? All of this reminds me of the good old days back in 2020 when Anthony Fauci told us that it's better not to go on dates and hook up and have sex. But if you have to go on a Tinder date, then you should mask up. And just so you don't think that I'm absolutely making that up. Newsweek, April 16th, 2020, Dr. Fauci says you can meet a Tinder date. If you're willing to take a risk and his quote from that article, you know, that's tough because it's what's called relative risk. Dr. Fauci said, if you really feel that you don't want to have any part of this virus, will you maintain six feet away, wear a mask, do all the things that we talk about in the guidelines? And since none of those things work, it's obviously pointless that he has said them. So what is the reason why he would say that? Well, he wants everybody to comply, to do what they are told. If you do everything you're told, then we're not going to judge anything else you do. You have to make the effort to look like you are involved in the COVID response. But the monkeypox thing is especially absurd just because of everything that we have always known about monkeypox and everything that they have told us about monkeypox in the last few weeks, that it's primarily gay men contracting the monkeypox through sexual contact, which hey, is also what? Yeah, exactly what they told us about AIDS in the 80s and 90s. Can't believe they're bringing that around again, huh? especially when it's Anthony Fauci responsible for both. Isn't that incredible? I'll be back on Monday at the same reasonable time on the same reasonable podcast network. I don't have a network. Masks and lockdowns don't work. They lied to you about a pandemic. And Joe Biden will never be president. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget?